Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the Lawyer's Toolbox on ALRPRA Law Talk Radio. Today is Thursday, August 12, 2010, and I'm your host, Nick Augustine. This show is produced by ALRPRA Incorporated, a national law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We help manage our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Today's guest is Mary Erlane. Mary Erlane is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated and serves as the executive vice president of the Leadership Management Institute, Riverside. Mary is a business coach who specializes in strategic and organizational planning and implementation. Mary is the facilitator of the Peak Workshops and is the co-facilitator of the Entrepreneurs Group in Chicago. A link to that site is available on our Facebook uh, event for this broadcast. I'll give it to you also right now. Uh, That website is www.peakmarketingsales.com. Again, peakmarketingsales.com. Mary Erlane works with, to help professionals who learn the skill of connecting the dots and removing barriers. The acclaimed workshop series offers several educational programs focused on executive skill sets. Today, Mary will start at the beginning with her advice on crisis mode management. Through defining, addressing, and managing our work challenges, as attorneys, we can increase quality work time, making more money, and trimming non-billable time. Before we begin, we want to remind you that our two weekly shows, first, The Lawyer's Toolbox, airs every Thursday, uh, and The Lawyer's, I'm sorry, I strike, <laughs> the, the Consumer Law Journal airs every Tuesday, and every uh, the Lawyer's Toolbox airs on Thursday afternoons. Sorry about that. Uh, both uh, tall Law Talk radio shows air at 3 p.m. Central, which is all 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific time. We do have a great show for you this afternoon. We invite caller questions either by email at info, I-N-F-O, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com or by dialing in to area code 917-889-9732 and pressing option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. That telephone number again is 917-889-9732 and option 1. We want to remind you that this is a general information program designed to offer practice management tips The advice shared on the show does not constitute legal advice, and results may vary based on the specifics of your matter. All callers remain confidential, and the rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. Mary Erlane, how are you today? I am great, Nick. It's good to be back. What's new? Uh, Actually, we have a time management versus goals management workshop. It is all about the results on August 25th at the American Chartered Bank in Downers Grove from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And all callers, if they respond to you and have interest, may attend for free. Well, that's a good deal. Callers, write down that number again, 917-889-9732, option one, ask Mary a question. Um, get a free admission to the next workshop. By the way, Mary, your, uh, last time you were on, you were talking about a LinkedIn workshop uh, that was held at the Holiday Inn, I believe, in Willowbrook. How, was that, uh, how did that turn out? That was attended. I would recommend the Holiday Inn in Willowbrook. Um, I used their conference room, and the people there are just amazing to work with. I also did another LinkedIn hands-on workshop out at the Hammond Innovation Center, that's a business incubator that the municipality of Hammond and um, Calumet Purdue University work together, and that also was well attended. They are a wonderful group out in Hammond, Indiana, and um, Greg Boyan heads that group up. And I will continue to do workshops and support the Hammond Incubator. Excellent. Um, You know, I want to bring up, too, that uh, we have listeners from all over the country, so some of the workshops you've addressed are here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, What about those who are interested in workshops who are not local? I have the capacity to do um, any of my workshops via webinar. Even the hands-on LinkedIn I have done via webinar. Um, We're able to make real-time changes. We need to be online anyway to make these changes on our LinkedIn profile. So I have a conference call number and go to meeting. Uh, site that I can use to deliver that. Now, where can people find information about these upcoming events? Um, 
actually you can find the uh, Time versus Goals Management Workshop. You can find that on LinkedIn in uh, My Events. Um, if you just search for Time versus Goals Management, it should pop right up. And I will be um, posting it on Facebook later today as well. Very well. So um, I understand you have many, 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 many LinkedIn connections. Uh, last I uh, checked, it was over 3,600. Um, so you're easily found uh, on LinkedIn. I suppose many people we already know um, are, are already connected to you, Mary. Yes. Actually, I went over the 3,700 mark. <laughs> do you, at some point, do uh, does LinkedIn send you uh, a special? Do you get a special um, a prize or a new executive level on LinkedIn? Like, what do you what do you get when you achieve a certain benchmark? <laughs> do they, do they, they do that? They give you no award, and I would receive no award because there are many people much better connected than me. <laughs> are there? It's you know, it's just always interesting. Um, uh, it's it's impressive the ability to connect with people uh, on LinkedIn. I was uh, recently, and we'll get to our show in a second here, but uh, I was at a, an event with Legal PR Chicago yesterday at NBC Tower. Uh, the event was hosted by Brinks Hoffer Law Firm, and one of the things they were talking about was inside or in-house counsels and the use of social media platforms on their. It was a re basically the the meeting I went to yesterday was the survey results and. They found that many of the attorneys and law firms using LinkedIn found that LinkedIn was one of the most credible sources of information um, and reliable. Also, Martindale, Martindale Hubble. So Martindale and LinkedIn were, were spoken of quite often, um, as well as um, uh, Wikipedia. But that's uh, info for another show or uh, more later. But LinkedIn is certainly on a lot of lawyers' radar. I think that 1.5 million out of the 50 million users are attorneys. Well, and actually, I think with the new rules for advertising, uh, any attorney that's on LinkedIn needs to pay attention to those rules. And again, um, if people want to email me, I can give them the specific article um, and section in those new rules that apply to LinkedIn. But every per attorney has to have whatever the wording is. It was directed to, I was directed to that from an attorney, but I can um, specifically send that section. They need to pay attention. The rules that's have true. changed for attorneys. <laughs> so, all right, well, that's another thing that people should con contact you. And uh, your website again uh, for contact information? Um, it's peak, P-E-A-K, marketingsales.com. All right, very good. Mary, let's get into crisis mode management. Everybody out there ready for crisis mode management? We've all got crisis. Let's learn how to manage it. Let's start with the definition. Mary, can you define crisis mode management? It's, it's a, a management style often used whether you're a solo business owner but definitely inside of companies. And typically when a crisis happens, this is what we do. We do first. You know, the call comes in, the email, the client comes, the secretary comes running in the door and has a crisis in their hand. Then what we do is we manage second. You know, if we have employees, we start to form a posse. You know, we start to gather a group of people. Everybody needs to jump on this fire. You know, we, we, we um, are in total reactive mode. And then we begin to communicate. You know, we start flushing this out and we start to communicate and we, we're assigning priorities and, and, you know, trying to divvy up this issue to resolve it. Um, if solo business owners, they could be on the phone, you know, with their accountant, their attorney, whomever. And typically last and, and most definitely least is we plan and set goals. Now oftentimes by the time we've communicated, we've figured it out, we've solved the problem, we've put the fire back out and what we'll do is we'll go back and wait for the next crisis to show up. And the last thing we ever do is plan and set goals. So in crisis mode management, we never take the time to plan. We never take the time to learn uh, what we did wrong, what we could have done better, maybe how we could have reordered this differently, how we could have responded differently, maybe set some goals in the future so when this happens again, and what we do is we begin to practice the insanity and we just move from one crisis to the next. In, in the world of law, that could be moving from one case to the next case to the next case. And um, 
it's a, a highly ineffective and exhausting method um, to manage. Well, the, with you, when you're billing, though, uh, as you're going along, how can you not jump from file to file to file? You've got to get your billable hours done. That would be true. However, as we come to learn, when we plan and set goal for every minute that we stop and just plan through our day, we can get anywhere from four to ten minutes ROI on that. So if we're looking at billable hours, I don't know about you, but for every minute that would guarantee me another four to ten that I could potentially bill as hours, I'm thinking I might want to jump on the bandwagon of planning and setting goals. Okay. Well, if we do this, what, are, what results do we expect to see? Well, if we actually flip this, and so when the call comes in, the crisis shows up at the door, if we just stop and take a breath and do a little bit of planning and, and understand what is the objective, what's the end goal we need to have, and then we begin to communicate that to our team. So we literally flip it around and we communicate as opposed to grabbing up a posse and we're really not sure where we're going, why we're going, or even if I belong. We just communicate and gather other people's perspectives. And then maybe, just maybe, we then manage. So now we're assigning the tasks around and then we do, we end up with a result that's high, more effective, probably done in a timely manner, and at the end of it, we have more energy because it's very exhausting to react. When we're going in a reactive mode, we're getting adrenaline going, and we have less of ourselves at the end. In this case, when we're done doing and we've now accomplished our goal, and we move on to the next crisis or the next case, what we end up feeling is we end up feeling a lot better at the end of the day. So we should be focusing on, again, the high payoff activities. I think you had mentioned or touched on that earlier. Well, high payoff activities are really are defined as activities that give us income. In, in the world of um, law, that's billable hours, bottom line. High payoff activities are all the activities that get that we're either getting billable hours or are leading to billable hours. Because billable hours are income. In the world of sales, it's more closes. Um, so when we're looking at high payoff activities, we can look at the classic 80-20 rule, really. Um, high payoff activities are those activities that really lead us to success and um, end up, you know, creating the, the outcome that we're looking for. And in the world of business, it's more revenue. What are some other high payoff activities? Because uh, there are certainly things that can lead to uh, billable hours. What about networking or, or you know, being selective in some of our other uh, activities that can bring in, you know, or turn into billable hours? In the world of, of law, uh, clearly your number one high payoff activity is spending time in billable hours. Now, right. if that would be the first, and, and if you can't spend all of your day in billable hours, the second activity is closing new clients that will lead you to billable hours. So you know, signing those agreements and those contracts and those engagement letters, you know, for new, con for new um, um, clients. The, if, if you're not doing that all day, then it would be seeing prospects and having appointments and meeting with them to see if there is something that you can do for them to get them to close and do business with you. And if you're not spending all day in those appointments, then we should be out, and you alluded to it, finding new prospects. That's getting referrals, networking, um, whatever and however you gain new clients in business, cross-selling inside your current clients, whatever you do to gain clients. And 
um, those would be the four top high payoff activities for oh, attorneys. The fifth one would probably be building alliance partners. Whoever your client, who you know, in the world of, of attorneys, it could be bankers, it could be accountants, it could be other attorneys, building those relationships where you cross-refer to each other. The, that's, that fifth point is a very strong, that's a very good point and a very, I can't more strongly suggest that people spend some active time doing that. And that is something that I have found in ordering these things has been somewhat difficult where I will personally spend a lot of time uh, networking and encouraging new potential referral sources and working on strategic alliances. Meanwhile, the people who said they wanted to do business are waiting in queue and are waiting for an agreement. So um, what are some ways to address the challenges that we face in balancing uh, and spending enough time in the right high payoff activities? Well, that would be unique to each individual, and the reality is oftentimes is getting a second set of eyes to look at it. Now, now what are some of the challenges that keep people away from high payoff activities? Is the very, the very things you address, is we get caught in the stuff that doesn't lead to billable hours. Um, and, and it's all the, the, the mundane kind of stuff that we do around our office, and we're doing it during billable hour time. It's all the stuff we need to simplify, delete, or delegate. Um, it's those practice management things um, that seem important in the moment when in reality we're missing an opportunity um, to spend time where we can get some income. Very good. Um, so planning, what about planning? How do I plan these out? And what's a good way? You said having another set of eyes. Um, any suggestions on what best to do to plan? First, take a time picture of what you're doing in a day. Really track where are you spending your time at in a given day. You know, how many billable hours do you really have? How much time are you spending on other activities? And take a look at that. Draw out a picture of what might be ideal. What ideal means is what is going to get you to the goal of revenue or growth. And compare and contrast. And if you're not sure, that's the exact areas I work in. If you're really not sure how to get to that ideal picture, it starts with goal setting. It starts with behavior change. It starts with gaining some new skills and knowledge that you might not have on your own. All right. That is great. Well, the plan, I agree that planning is, you know, sitting down and doing it is step one for sure. Um, before we go to tyranny of the urgent, which is our, our next uh, segment discussion, we'll stop for a uh, sponsor break. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. By clicking the like button on the law firm's business page, you'll receive periodic blog updates with recent developments in the rapidly changing field of intellectual property law. Back now to the Consumer's Law Journal, where we encourage our listeners to call in with questions. Please call area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue to ask a question for our guest today, Mary Erlane of Peak Marketing and Sales. So that telephone number again is area code 917-889-9732. Um, and also a reminder that uh, callers who call into the show today will receive Mary. Tell them what again they'll receive. They will receive free admission to the August 25th workshop at American Chartered Bank in Downers Grove. The workshop is Time versus Goals Management. It is all about the results. All right. 917-889-9732. Now back to Mary. Tell us about the tyranny of the urgent. Well, the tyranny of the urgent really, what that is, and, and since we're on the radio, I can't quite draw it out but I will do my best. Well, let's get our pen and paper. We'll draw it at home. We'll follow along. <laughs> Think of the visual of a square that's um, 
separated into four quadrants. And, and what this really is, is, is the definition of, um, you know, urgent versus important. And um, what I will do is do my best to describe each one of the quadrants. Before um, you do that, Mary, we've got it. We've got a bite. We've got a caller here. Someone's got a question. Let's let's bring him in. Ready? Sure. Caller, you're on with Nick and Mary Erlane. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hi. Hi. Um, well, I was listening to the beginning of the show. You were going to talk a little bit about um, a LinkedIn workshop. I was wondering if you would be able to like, just talk a little bit about, um, you know, prospecting on LinkedIn. Um, I read a recent article on Mashable. Uh, I think it was on Mashable or Social Media Examiner, but it talks about using Twitter and LinkedIn to do prospecting through your business. I wonder if you could just offer a few tips or talk about that a little bit. I can do that. Um, the place for you to really do some some good start in prospecting is to participate. Well, first off, join groups and participate in discussions, start discussions, reach out to the group members to start discussions amongst them. Really, the, the idea of prospecting on LinkedIn starts with those conversations that you have with other members. Um, so I guess the first tip would be get in some, some groups, maybe. What, what do you do for a living? Um, I help local businesses with marketing and social media. Okay, you help local businesses with marketing and social media. Yeah. Well, if you have an industry, join industry-friendly groups. Um, if, if you are in, um, you know, I, I encourage people who need to talk to people inside of HR, join HR groups. Um, so if you have a particular industry that is a niche of yours, get in there and start being the industry expert. You know, it's, it's getting yourself out there repetitively and, and building yourself um, some credibility inside of LinkedIn. And then see where those conversations lead. The other place would be the questions and answers area. I believe it's listed under more and it's called answers. Ask some questions. I always encourage people to ask intelligent questions, but ask a question that would get a discussion going and that you could get some answers. Because if you get somebody to answer a question of yours, now you're in a conversation. And now you can take that conversation wherever you want to, to lead it offline. Does that help? Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, because it seems like a, the similar advice for like other social networks. I mean, because I haven't really gotten into LinkedIn. I've used uh, Twitter, Facebook, and other forms of uh, marketing. But uh, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. Well, right, if caller, you'd like... Go ahead, go Nick. Ahead. I was just going to say, caller, why don't you send me your email? Uh, email me at nick, N-I-C-K, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com. Or I can uh, call you later and connect you with Mary directly so you can ask some more questions and uh, you can. Well, um, I'm, I'm not driving right now, but if you want to get a hold of me at ChristopherAdams.com, that's my website. ChristopherAdams.com. I see you're calling from Connecticut. How's the weather there today? Oh, it's beautiful. It's hot here in Chicago. <laughs> ChristopherAdams.com, right? Yep, that's it. All right, got it. All right, All right I'll be in lot. touch. Thanks, caller. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Mary, back to the tyranny of the urgent. So the definition of urgent is pretty obvious. It's something that we have to do now. The sun can't go down. I can't leave my office. I can't leave my desk until it's done. Um, and when we look at the definition of important, that has to contribute to our vision, our mission, our purpose, and our goals. So... In the first quadrant, if something was both urgent, meaning I have to do it now, there's a deadline, as well as important, in other words, there is a contribution to my mission, vision, purpose, goals, um, that means that we have to do it now. There's no procrastination. I like to say the difference between that first quadrant, and we'll talk about the second, is April 14th and April 15th. April 15th in the world of taxes is definitely an urgent and important event in our life. Okay? Very true. If we, if we look at the second quadrant, 
and that would be if something was urgent and um, or I'm sorry, if something was not urgent, in other words, there isn't a particular deadline, but it is something that will contribute to our vision, mission, purpose, goals. Goals could be making money. I like to call that the success quadrant. So would this be a, uh, sending the retainer contract out to the new client? Absolutely. Okay. Well, These number are one, opportunities. I was just going to say, number one, I'm just trying to uh, follow along on my grid that I'm making here and make uh, notes on what these examples would be. So number one is doing the billable work. That's the urgent, must do the work. It's got right. a deadline. Number two is signing up the new clients or uh, schedu oh, scheduling actually, work. Number one might not be doing billable work. Number one may be um, all of a sudden you get, um, you get a call and you, your client's been arrested. You know, that's something you've got. That's that's the fire. You know, that's yeah. that's the something that is all hands on deck kind of a thing. Or my son actually was um, a paid intern over at McAndrews Held in Malloy all summer, and there was a case that it was all hands on deck, and they needed um, to get the evidence together. You know, because there was a motion or there was a court appearance or something, and he worked endless hours. That that was all billable hour stuff but the lights couldn't go out until the work was done. In the world of quadrant two, that is billable hours, but the, the, this is the quadrant where we plan and set goals. This is, this is the quadrant where we can function very effectively. This is where we want to live the most in our day. If, if we can spend all day long, now we, we know life happens in, in quadrant one stuff happens. The phone rings, the mail comes in, the clients, you know, show up. We do know the fires happen, but the more time we can spend in quadrant two planning and being effective, that's where that return on invested time really takes life, is the more time we can spend in quadrant two doing important things that are not urgent. Can I speak to uh, something that I do personally that I've followed? I've heard your advice before. Um, I've even attended uh, one of your uh, brief workshops or you attended a networking group I was at and we went through this exercise. And I'll tell you that when I know that I have sat down and done my category two, you know, to scheduled, built that into my time, I recognize that I'm doing it and I know that it's something that would be going through my head and being an ongoing reminder of, Nick, do this, you've got to do this. Um, you know, while I'm doing my, uh, you know, so I'm trying to spend more time in that category two. Of course, every day I've got my category one uh, urgent and important activities, but I've built into my schedule by sitting down the night before I'm planning um, the category two important but not urgent things. And that, and by doing that, I feel a sense of progress and that I'm keep going along and I'm going forward, I feel a sense of moving forward, where the category one is that, you know, the, the category one urgent and important items are going to be there, and I feel like if I only do those, at the end of the day, I, I don't feel like I've gotten anything done, even though I know I've done a lot. So I, I have followed this, and I'll tell you that it, it makes me feel a better sense of accomplishment, and I'm very pleased with that. How do you physically feel at the end of the day when you've spent more time in 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 the the second quadrant versus the first? How, how does um, it make you feel? I'd say probably well, uh, physically I don't know, but I think more in control. Um, I felt like I was more in control of my day that I planned it, I executed it, I got done what I wanted to get done. You know, I wanted it, you know because I have I live in the, with a lot of deadlines. And I accomplish the deadlines. I get all the work out on time because all my clients, especially doing publicity work, uh, you know, things are timely. Uh, and, you know, I need to live in these 30-minute increments of time. And mm -hmm. I, I feel as I've planned it out, I'm able to just focus because what I'm able to do is shut everything else out because I know I'm not going to forget anything because it's on the calendar. It's on the planner. I'm not going to forget the important things because as I, you know, at the end of the day, um, after I've had time to relax and step away from it all, I can visualize the next day and get it all done. So really it is, 
um, you know, the you know, make the plan and work the plan. Uh, you know, the Foonbergism is certainly still there. So I just wanted to uh, you know, drop that in and just attest to how how great that's been. Has there been growth in your business? Uh, you know, I think so because in doing and following that model, I I have a sense that I'm putting out I'm putting it out into the you know not to be philosophical about it but by putting it out into the world that that I am you know being productive that I'm accomplishing my goals that I that I deliver that my deliverables are are in line and that I deliver on what I promise um, I just have a sense that uh, that type of information either my clients are telling other people that or um, it's just it's getting out there I feel like. Everyone, I feel like everyone knows whether they know it or not, if that makes sense. Yes. I, now I'm feeling like the radio show host suddenly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, put my I put my coach hat on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I Get out of the driver's seat. Give me my wheel back. <laughs> All right. Now we talked a little bit out here about urgent and important. Now let's talk about the benefits of focusing our time, I feel like I've just already answered my own question, but um, tell us a little bit more about what your aim is for people benefiting uh, by focusing their time and efforts. What, how are you going to help them? What happens by, first off, understanding really what our high payoff activities are, to scheduling those, and, and you, you did a great uh, job of, of explaining 30-minute increments. It could be 90-minute increments, it's whatever works for somebody in business. It's those increments that we can focus. The more time we spend doing that, we find that we have less crises happen because we create our own crisis situation by how we function. Yes, clients do call and things do happen, external. But if we're creating our own internal crisis on, on top of that, it, it can be unbearable and unmanageable. By spending more time planning your day, spending time in high payoff activities, ultimately what you end up is the production. The, the, the productivity that you have can rise, you know, um, umpteen times over. I mean, literally working with clients, we've had double-digit um, to one growth in just being able to wrap, and, and we'll get into the uh, the third and fourth quadrant momentarily, but you can just get a handle and gain some control on this tyranny of the urgent. Dramatic results in growth can occur. All right. Thank you for sharing that on the tyranny of the urgent and explaining uh, the, the first two quadrants. Um, again, the first quadrant, urgent and important. Quadrant two, important and not urgent. I hope everybody following along at home or in the office has got their uh, pen and paper and has drawn their quadrant, drawn their because by visualizing it and drawing it out, um, it's easy to to see how how this all works. So uh, before we get back to Mary, let's stop for our third or our second. Uh, sponsor break. We wanted to remind anyone who's just recently tuned in that they are listening to The Lawyer's Toolbox on Law Talk Radio, uh, brought to you by ALRPRA Incorporated. We want to let you know also that another individual who is going to be a recurring guest on our show is Jim Thompson. And Jim Thompson is our second sponsor. And like Mary, he helps attorneys get their lives in order while Mary helps on getting everything flowing correctly uh, and managing the time. Jim helps with the pipeline. Of course, Mary can help with that too and is a good resource. Um, however, the uh, program that Jim Thompson has is called Get Clients Now. He's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach, and the program teaches crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is going to be, like I said, a recurring guest on the Lawyer's Toolbox show uh, regarding attorney marketing. Now, to learn more about Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group, you can visit MidwestConsultants.net. Again, MidwestConsultants.net. And also check out his testimonials on Facebook by searching Get Clients Now. ALRPRA strongly produces the Get endorses, not produces, 
the Get Clients Now program and understands the personal accountability component of this course. Of course, you can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by visiting MidwestConsultants.net for his contact information. We want to remind our callers out there um, that they even though we had one caller already get his free LinkedIn workshop. Uh, we are still offering free LinkedIn workshops because it's good information, and I'm sure Mary Erlein wants to share it. Telephone number to call in, 917-889-9732. Again, 917-889-9732, option one to be placed in the caller queue. Again, as a disclaimer, this is a general information program designed to offer practice management tips. Now back to Mary. Mary, are you ready to continue talking about the tyranny of the urgent? Yes. All right. Tell us about the entrepreneurial. The I I can't. I'm going to mangle that. I want to say entrepreneurial, but my notes say entrepreneur's dilemma. Uh, tell us about the entrepreneur's di- dilemma. How spending time on work that is urgent but not important, meaning not an activity that contributes to the HPAs, the high pro- high payoff activities, or income. Explain what you mean by this. Typically, when we have sole practitioners. You know what we what we end up doing, and I'll speak for myself because I've done it before. Uh, learning really how to get a handle on my day is we spend stuff that's we spend our time on on stuff that's not a high payoff activity. That when you look at it is not going to contribute to my income. You know, reading newsletters in the middle of billable hours, um, wandering through email that is not coming from a prospect or a referral. Uh, so the internet can be the internet can be one of these. Facebook. But when we look in the world of entrepreneurs, anything that is moving us to the next sale is what a high payoff activity is. Doing invoices at two o'clock during the day, yes, invoices do lead to money, but could that time be better spent returning the phone call of a referral? Or to our right. or to our callers' um, thoughts, maybe starting or participating in a discussion on LinkedIn that that directly could position you as as an industry leader. So these are things that we need to simplify, simplify, delete, or delegate. There are. So many virtual resources, you being a virtual resource for attorneys and and other businesses, where I can delegate much of that management aspect of my business. I have a bookkeeper. I don't do my bookkeeping. It takes me five times longer to do my bookkeeping. Bookkeeping for my bookkeeper is a high payoff activity because it gains an income. I pay him. It's not a high payoff activity for me. I'm not a bookkeeper, I'm a business coach. So when we look at all of the things, and most of it is around administrative stuff and management stuff, that we can either delegate to another time of day outside our billable hours, or we can delegate to another individual if we simplified it if we absolutely had to do our bookkeeping, maybe we use QuickBooks as opposed to an Excel spreadsheet. So we, we use some type of technology maybe to simplify things or delete them all together. There's, there's stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Mary, Mary, in our, nice, in nice our, Mary, Mary, Mary. I, I was a little bit shocked by the suggestion that people are doing their billing on Excel spreadsheets. Are you finding you have clients who are not using something simple like QuickBooks? Sure, because we just sometimes don't know what we don't know, and, and QuickBooks in and of itself may seem very um, intimidating. And if anybody is out there on an Excel spreadsheet, please contact me because I've got a phenomenal QuickBooks um, <laughs> person who will, will teach them how to do QuickBooks or take it over for them. But this is the quadrant of what we call deception. You know, the stuff is important to do. I mean, absolutely, we have to do administrative stuff. We do have to do bookkeeping. We do have to do our accounting. We we do need to look at those newsletters, you know, at some point and see if there are, are nuggets of value. So the stuff is, is um, I'm sorry, it is urgent. It seems urgent, but it really isn't important. 
let me clarify, it is, seems urgent, but it really isn't important. In other words, it's not contributing to income in any way, shape, or form. Got it. All right. So that's a, so that's a dilemma, really, things that are staring us in the face, things we want to pay attention to, but things that are not directly in line. Oh sure, it's it's the it's that little box that pops up at the at the corner of our screen saying we just got an email. Yeah, and it's, exactly. It's urgent because I know I know Nick Augustine, so I must go read it because I know Nick. When in reality, <laughs> I'm in the middle of billable hours, and it right. really isn't important. It probably could wait. So right. how we do that? We shut that little signal off, and we don't have the little pop-ups. <laughs> You know what I do sometimes, Mary? If I know that I'm in a in a in a half hour block where I'm, um, let's say I'm drafting a press release or I'm uh, you know writing a, an article on something, I will actually take I will actually close my Outlook. And I know that sounds crazy, but I will close the Outlook because I know that I, <laughs> I'm going to open it up. Uh, you know, at another another time when I've got a break, I'll take like a 15 minute break for email. Um, and I know that I'll get all those then, um, you know, and if something is really that urgent, they'll get me on my BlackBerry or they'll call me uh, if it's an absolute emergency. So I agree. Um, now, my next I, question I to have, you. Oh, ahead. I was just going to say, and I have somebody in Outlook um, that has uh, is part of their generated signature on all emails that I only check emails at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, um, noon, and 4.30. I mean, literally has it so they understand when they're emailing people, don't expect a response. You know, don't expect an immediate response. And, and literally, now, luckily they're in a business that they can do that, but they do communicate and they are in their own way training people to not expect an immediate response. If, if there is something urgent, call me. But don't expect me to reply to an email instantly. This is, you know, that's a very interesting thing. I, I asked someone not long ago uh, who works in finance. Uh, I said, how often or how long do you feel you have to respond to someone's email before they're going to get nervous? Because, uh, you know, a lot of time we want to uh, respond and give someone an answer so they don't start to, uh, you know, the mind doesn't start to wonder or worry or, you know, you give people – a time alone to think without a response, and I've seen people uh, where you haven't responded within 24 hours, and I've had people comment, um, you know, why didn't you respond? I needed the information. You know, people are very pushed to the limit and stressed out in today's work world. Um, what's a good rule of thumb for how long an email can go? What do you say, half a day, an hour, a day? Generally, what's your um, I guess it would depend on the subject matter. Um, if it, If somebody wants a response to something within a day, then that should probably be a phone call with a voicemail and, and have it to that regard. Um, so if it's an email, generally, you know, I tend to chunk up my emails. So I will prioritize them. I actually practice the tyranny of the urgent on emails. If it's a social email, you know, may may take a couple days, two to three days to get a response from me if it's just social. If it's something that's more urgent, yeah, it's within 24 hours. But if somebody really needs me, don't send an email. Make a phone call. And, and un unfortunately, technology has, has kind of gotten way out of hand that, um, or text me. You know, it, technology has really gotten way out of hand and way out of balance. And um, there's a lot of assumptions and there's a whole four generational you know, we got four generations in the workforce and everybody is working on their own priority list. So right now communication can be very, very confusing. But when in doubt, pick up the phone. That is, that is a good point that, you know, people in different generations and experience levels do find it different and confusing. I uh, had a recent uh, post on my Facebook inquiring to uh, when people thought what year the answering machine became a commonly, uh, you know, commonly found thing in people's residential homes. I know that offices had them often, uh, more, uh, more often earlier. And it's really not been that long within many of our lifetime mm -hmm. that we've been able to. I mean, I can remember being in college and going to 
uh, out to my car at Marquette in the parking garage and going into my I one of those car phones I built into the car and the you know under the between the front seats and yes. you know going over there to check the voicemail in the middle of winter um, and <laughs> writing it all down. I suppose I was probably and I'd return on my call, so it was probably more effective then um, because it was uh, you know a, br- a, bro- a break in the time. It's kind of funny that you look at it that way though. The whole workshop I do that's technology friend or foe, I actually do a workshop specifically to that. Now, if we move yeah. to the fourth quadrant, um, before we run out of time, that, that well, let's take quadrant... Our, let's, go, let's, let's, take our, let's take our final break, and then we'll dive into the fourth quadrant, because sure. uh, I, I like this one. So, um, Well, I like all of them, but <laughs> the fourth quadrant, uh, the time wasters, things do not contribute to success. The irresponsibility, the time waster. Now, one of the things I want you to ponder, Mary, while I read our our final uh, sponsor uh, message is Facebook and uh, social media. Do you think that's you know, or a time that we're wasting time and going through our BlackBerry and clicking like on things on Facebook? What do you think about that? I'll ask you that in a second. So thank you for everyone again for tuning in. Thank you to our callers. You're listening to the Lawyer's Toolbox on Law Talk Radio. Our third sponsor is George Finder, the credit damage expert. Again, George is one of our recurring guests as well. George uh, is going to be appearing on our Tuesday show, the Consumer's Law Journal, answering questions that our callers and listeners have had on the topic of credit damage injury and credit, credit damage analysis. Um, He's one of the only credit damage experts in the country, and the attorneys and plaintiffs who's retained uh, George Finder for his services have earned huge damage awards in various practice areas, such as personal injury, employment law, family law, general civil, general civil litigation. Um, again, most of the people who first encountered the issue of credit damages or how it works are surprised in learning that you can incorporate a credit damage question in the intake process at your law firm, and you, you and your staff can learn to spot these credit damage events uh, worthy of calling George and retaining his credit damage analysis service. Now, right now, to our uh, listeners out there, George is running a special promotion and any of our listeners who contact George Finder and tell them that they heard about him on ALRPRA Law Talk Radio are going to receive, free of charge, one hour of CLE presentation. George has several CLE presentation options, and you are eligible to win one hour of CLE presentation. Um, and this applies, again, to different folks in different states because uh, George uh, Finder has been certified uh, as a CLE presenter in, in several states, uh, Illinois being one, California, where uh, he is based out of certainly being another, and uh, other various states. So grab a pen and take down this email address and respond to the special offer and get in touch with George Finder. Um, when you've got your pen and paper ready, because I know you all have it out because we're working on our quadrants, uh, the credit da- the email is Credit Damage Associates. So Credit Damage Associates at gmx.com. Again, that's Credit Damage Associates at gmx.com. Available nationwide, Credit Damage Expert George Finder's website is full of resources. Please visit creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. George is, again, as I stated, a recurring guest on the Consumer's Law Journal's Tuesday Law Talk radio program. Tune in every first Tuesday of the month where George again will answer questions from the public on credit damage issues. Callers, call in and register to win a free LinkedIn workshop from credit, da- or, uh, not credit damage experts, sorry, um, business coach and uh, personal life organizing expert, Mary Erlane. Uh, telephone number 917-889-9732. Again, that's 917-889-9732. Option one to be placed in the caller queue. Again, this is a general information program. None of the advice on this program is guaranteed to produce any results. Um, unless you take it to heart. But no, seriously, general disclaimer, we're not giving legal advice on the show. Um, All the advice that we give is for educational purposes, and we appreciate uh, people's participation um, and ask, though, that you pay to our disclaimer. So back again to our guest, Mary Erlane. Let's get into Quadrant 4, the Time Wasters Quadrant. Now I suppose I want to ask again my question, what do you think about social? First, uh, in, tell us what, uh, how this works in crisis mode management. Then let's address social media because some people say you're taking a break um, and some people say you're still working. Where do you find social media in quadrant four? Do you put it there? Um, I guess it depends on the objective of 
of why you're there in the first place. First, to explain this, it's really the stuff that's not important and not urgent. And what we do is we call this the time wasters. What we, we typically see is people will live and breathe and just function in quadrant one. They get absolutely burnt out and then they escape to quadrant four. And, and they'll do mindless, basically they're doing, if we, we look in our personal lives, it could be just mindless TV watching or just surfing the internet randomly. There is really no goal, there's no plan, there's no objective as to why we're, we're in this quadrant. Now, are we entitled to spending time? Absolutely, we're entitled to spending downtime. But back to, back to the, the planning aspect, if we can plan to spend quality downtime, we can plan and put, not make it something of an escape, but actually a quality part of our day. That's what quadrant four is about. So when we're, when we're escaping to, to quadrant four to, to play Farmville or Mafia Wars or some of these mindless games on Facebook, absolutely that's a waste of time. In, in during a billable hour day, absolutely that is. Unless it was scheduled time during lunch and you have permission, um, no, social media really doesn't belong in there. Nor does, you know, random texting or, you know, just wandering through LinkedIn without a purpose. You know, if we're on social media and we have a plan and we have a goal and we have an end result in mind, in other words, something having to grow our business, and I'm talking about business, um, Yes, then it does fit during your day. Um, if you're if you're practicing the personal life aspects of Facebook during your workday, no, that's that's really not a place to be doing it. I know that seems harsh, but it is the truth because for every minute we're doing that, we're losing an opportunity to be growing our business or growing ourselves for that matter. Now, if I'm, you touched upon this working for uh, growing a business. What if I am an employee at a, you know, in a larger organization, and I'm not, you know, how does this, how do I think about this then? As an employee, um, you were hired to help grow the business, and unless, um, you know, unless as an employee. It is your job to be on social media to help grow the business um, and and or you have permission to do this over a break or a lunch hour, Facebooking and, and other aspects of social media um, are, um, are really not appropriate uses of time. You know, employees and, and employers who have employees gaining their buy-in and understanding what an employee's goals are, having an employee understand these four quadrants, gaining their buy-in, helping grow and develop the employees. That's an employer's responsibility and have them, I guess, work with each employee to have them understand that they are there yes to do a job, but they are also responsible for growing a portion of the business because they are contributing value. And if you're contributing value to a business, you are helping it grow. You may not be directly involved in sales, but if a business is customer focused, then every single person in that business has some understanding that they are responsible for customer success in some form or fashion. Uh, we're working inside a company for that right now. And, and even in the machine shop, the machine shop understands that when they're slapping some steel to form into a part, that part is for helping grow somewhat, somebody else's business. It isn't just a hunk of steel that they're forming into a shape. They're attaching it to a customer. It's a whole different mentality and it's a whole different work style with a whole lot of better results. I have a comment to make on that and something that I have uh, often brought up when I've lectured to uh, office staff, uh, paralegals and, and um, you know, office staff generally. 
Um, this being part of our work that we do at ALRPRA in the recruiting and staffing division. Um, we like to prep all of our uh, individuals who are going to be out working, uh, you know, part-time or on project basis in law firms. And one of the things that we address is that they may very well find themselves with downtime, especially if, if you're, um, let's say you're an associate, uh, level employee and you're there on a contract basis, you're doing document review, one of the things we suggest is that there may be some time where you're technically billing it on the clock, but you are waiting for further instruction from whoever is there at that location to micromanage your activities. So uh, we always ask our employer, uh, our, well, our individuals who are uh, recruiting these contract attorneys, what are some things and tasks that they can work on uh, during time where they may have downtime so that they're not um, you know, losing productivity. And just in thinking ahead of that and by preparing in advance, um, whether it be you know, whatever it is that they have you know, an ongoing project to work on when they have downtime, mm -hmm. we have, although some people say, well, they'll never have downtime because there's so much work to do um, and it's a constant flow, but by keying in on that, that has been more valuable uh, to everyone involved in the equation because we've been, uh, you know, thoughtful of that. And I know that when I myself uh, was younger and working in law firms, uh, I always had a few things that I was working on back burner projects. And it's funny that they all were practice management related. I'd be building lists of this or that or, you know, trying to promote things, um, you know. And I often enjoyed doing that more than drafting this motion for summary judgment and waiting for uh, the uh, person in charge of me to, you know, respond uh, to it. So um, good thing I found, you know, what I enjoy doing. But uh, it, w it always went over really well to have that because so many people will wait for instruction. They'll sit there with their arms folded or they'll hop right on, Facebook or, or LinkedIn, and although that may be a high payoff activity, oftentimes we know that they're working on, you know, self-serving um, uh, items. Well, it, there's a tremendous difference between a task-focused employee force or a goals-focused employee force, because with a goals-focused, we don't have to stand and drum our nails. If we all have goals and we all have the buy-in of employees, they're not going to be drumming their nails. They're going to know what their next activity, um, their next action steps are in their goals, and they're going to go after them because there's more self-direction. If you have a task-focused force, yes, they're waiting for you to lead. Goals-focused, they will lead themselves with some direction from you. Again, at the end of the day, um, better results happier employees because the number one thing for employees is to make me feel appreciated. People think it's income. Number one reason employees stay is appreciation. Number one reason employees leave is lack of appreciation. So if we can appreciate our employees and get their buy-in, if we can help them get a handle on these four quadrants and get some planning and goals in place, tremendous results. Whether you are your employee or you're leading a company uh, of many, um, the, the results are individual. Mary, we are all out of time right now, but we have, do have just enough time left for you to uh, briefly talk about time versus goals management, which is the topic of your next appearance on, uh, on Lawyer's Toolbox on Law Talk Radio. Tell us just real quickly 30 seconds about time versus goals management. It's basically evolving from what I talked today. It's taking it into that next level and really understanding um, everybody is into time management, time management. Please help me where, you find, where people say I need to make more time. I'm not sure what the recipe is of this. The difference between time management is the difference between being efficient, doing things right, and effective, doing right. the right things in the right order. Time versus goals management. Watch for the next uh, broadcast that we will be advertising on Facebook and also on LinkedIn. We want to thank our guests again today. Thank you, Mary Erlane, uh, for all the information on crisis mode management. We'd also like to thank all of our listeners for tuning into the Consumer's Law Journal on ALRPRA Law Talk Radio. 
We'd also like to thank our sponsors, the Intellectual Property Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme, Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group, and credit damages expert George Finder. Again, this is a general information program designed to offer practice management tips. The advice shared on this show does not constitute any legal advice, and the results may vary and are based on the specific facts of your matter and the state in which you reside. Again, all callers remain confidential, and rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. ALRPRA's Law Talk Radio's mission is to educate our listening community on relevant legal issues, law practice management concerns, and other means to help law firm clients be well-informed and to help law firms spend more time serving their clients by sharing practice tips and referral sources. ALRPRA's underlying values are transparency, flexibility, and humility. We are a full-service law practice management agency available nationwide when professional quality matters to your firm. Thank you again, and please tune in next Tuesday at 3 o'clock for the next episode of the Consumer's Law Journal. Thanks to Nick Augustine from ALRPRA, and again, thank you for your time. Mary, thanks for being on the show today. We loved having you as a guest. Thank you, Nick. All right. We'll talk soon, Mary. All righty. Bye. Thank you.